0: Baker Mayfield undraftable off my
1: board The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield What a, what a beautiful throw by the Baker Victor hasta la vista baby What's up, everybody? Welcome into the OBR Film Breakdown. I'm your host, Jake Burns. We are talking live about, I don't even know what day of training camp it is. We have a great guest on, Cameron Justice, who will join us in just a bit. want to talk about any sort of uh, things that we have seen uh, throughout uh, the day, camp, big news around practice, whatever. Jeremiah wusu Kormo is dealing with a head injury. He's got stitches from a training uh, or a weight room accident. We're going to talk about how the weight room is really manufactured this year strangely for the Browns uh, in the in the uh, wake of COVID that they put everything out in the, in the field house section there. It's strange. So unfortunate because they want him practicing, want him getting ready to go. Stinks, but, uh, you know, he's got to get the stitches to heal before he can put a helmet on his head. That's a thing. Tack McKinley returns. Great, great, great to see him back. I'm not sure we'll ever get to know exactly what happened with that. But, uh, you know, and it's not our business. As long as he's in the right frame of mind and the the football staff believes in him, what he's trying to do, then, you know, hopefully he's ready to go. He's practicing. That's what you want to see. It's great. Fantastic. Uh, they, They need a player like that as the third rusher, as we have seen through preseason here. So hopefully he gets some snaps against Atlanta to sort of start getting a feel for things. OBJ running routes a little bit deeper, throwing the ball to him, ramping things up. Cameron will talk about that in just a minute. Uh, A couple things to note. Hey, shout out to Nick Chubb for breaking the serial sales record with the Chubb Crunch. That stuff is really cool. Shows you how Cleveland supports, shows out for their players. Uh, Another thing to talk about is on the Twitch show tonight, not the Samuel Browns, Andy Lytle, Stephen Thomas had uh, Johnny Stanton on, which was really an interesting interview. Ton of great questions, ton of good insights about his playing days at UNLV and how he knew Andy Janovich at Nebraska. His quarterback day, a couple really cool throws of his when he was playing quarterback in college. Go check that out. That's going to be on YouTube. I'll have that cut up and put up specifically there. Uh, You can go to Twitch and watch the whole episode, which included Sam Button and and a couple other great guests, including Fred, Fred Greetham. So check that out if you can. I put up the offensive 22 scouting notes, all 22 scouting notes. Check that out. Deep Dive. Again, 30 scouting points and observations, thoughts on player grades, so on and so forth. It's there for your consumption if you are an OBR subscriber. Not going to waste any more time here because I think this is a really good interview where we're going to talk about balancing the future with the now, where the Browns are with some of these guys who could make the roster, but some guys that they've invested in in draft picks for the future that mean something, how the Browns make those decisions. So let's get over to that interview right now. She's Cameron Justice. She's at Cami Justice on Twitter. She's the WEWS digital content producer. She covers the Browns. Among many other things in Cleveland, she's doing a great job this year, so I want to continue to highlight her work. Let's get over to that interview right now. Cameron, welcome in once again to the OBR Film Breakdown. I appreciate you joining us. How are you?
2: Good. How are you?
1: I'm good. Midweek, it's uh, it's getting in this, as you know, it's getting in a it's getting in a process of how your work week goes, fitting your football content into it, all of that stuff. As you we you know, it's preseason for the players, preseason for us too, right?
2: Oh yeah. And it's like, you know, this is starting to wind up like training camp was, you know, it was hot, it was humid, but it was, it was fun. You know, you're you're like, okay, football's back. And then you got into the dog days of it. And you're like, all right, we're doing the same thing every day. But now training camp's over. This is practice. And we are right around the corner from the regular season. And it is insane to think that in just a couple days, they're going to be making their 53 man roster. And, you know, like the time is here. It's happening.
1: It is. It is and there are a lot of things that are moving quickly and you're right that that move from everybody's pumped up, camp is here, the fans are excited. This new team, you're excited about seeing the new team to like day 18, 19, 20. It's like, "Oh, okay. I'm kind of tired of this. I need to see them play some games." So, <laughs> we uh, we are we are at that limit. So, we'll talk about the games here in a minute. Uh, I talked about what I picked up from camp today from from reading from afar talking to our people. What what uh what stood out I guess it's still training camp technically. So what stood out to you today?
2: So today, I mean, it was inside. Um, so a little bit more limited to what we're able to like see and what they're able to do. So pretty small indoor space there, not a full field. So, you know, they get the work in if they can. But uh, today, what stood out to me was Baker Mayfield's accuracy. He was throwing dimes all day. He's been doing that through camp. There's been a couple times here and there where he's, You know, struggled a bit, maybe overthrowing the ball. But today, it looked really good. Um, He was hitting his targets, a wide variety of targets. Um, And honestly, the other standout was kind of this push for getting JoJo Nats in the ball. I think that was really interesting to see. They've been using him in different ways. And I think that comes down to that position battle of trying to figure out your wide receiver room. And and giving him different looks to see what he's able to to provide because he is fighting for a spot on this roster. I saw we saw the other day he had a, a really nice end around that uh, in the in the preseason, right before the preseason, and I was like it was really good to see. You, you know they're using him in different ways like that. Um, but today he had this really nice uh, touchdown reception where he just tracked the ball so well, and you got to know, you know you got to see his elite speed that really was the reason why he came here for the special teams. They love that speed. Um, and so he, she showed that awful lot, he showed that he's got hands and he's able to pull the ball down with him and, and hang on to it. He had a, a lot of looks today. So that was um, those were my two takeaways. I think the biggest ones were Baker Mayfield's accuracy looking great, which is what you want to see uh, heading into this season. And then, you know, that kind of push to see who's going to make the cut at this wide receiver room.
1: Anybody back today of note, Um, I think Denzel was back. There were a couple others that returned, right?
2: Yeah. Denzel was back. Uh, Tack McKinley was back. He just, he, I mean, he came back, he's been back with the team, uh, but he was on the fields today out there. Um, Jeremiah was not out there. He was on the sideline because of that, uh, those stitches. So that was, uh, unfortunate. Um, but there was a lot of work being done, uh, like one-on-one on one drills. Anthony Schwartz was uh, running with the receivers. He was getting a lot of work in with uh, Jarvis and Odell. So that was good to see. He, he was dealing with that hamstring. So hoping to see him. He's another one in that wide receiver room that, you know, we got to see where he lands and, and how they're going to use him in this roster. Um, but, yeah, and then, you know, there's there's some players out Um you know that they they weren't practicing; they were resting a little bit, um, and so I think, and then that's just kind of the cycle of what we've been seeing. Kevin Stefanski has been uh, very leisurely with, you know, getting these guys, making sure they're not too worn down. Um, but overall, I think we saw a lot of people. A lot of people return. A lot of people on the sideline, even when they're not playing. Like Grant Delpit was still out there, standing watching. Uh, those are the things that you want to see from your guys, even when they're not able to participate fully in the team activities, they're still able to to get out there and, you know, get work in, get the workouts and, and watch and walk through the walkthroughs and, and watch their teammates and talk to them as they're going through it. So they're not falling too far behind.
1: No, it's it's a balancing act. They're doing it all the time. There are people that are approaching this training camp. You know, Kansas City is a team that's playing their starters Multiple quarters a game and every preseason game so far. They're practicing all the time. Then there's different ends of the spectrum where Cleveland is trying to, similar to what seems like a lot of teams, Cameron, just get to the regular season. You know, view this thing as, yeah, maybe we start out a little bit slow, but as we know how last year went, there are, you know, the week one game is very tough, very challenging, but week two presents itself a nice chance to come home and get a bounce back win. The Bears are going to be in a really weird situation at quarterback, who knows where they'll be. Then you get Minnesota. It's like there's there's chances to, even if you don't win the Kansas City game, we they want to win. But there's like this outcome where they could be completely out of sorts, getting everybody on the same page for the first time, while Kansas City's approach has been a little different. But it's a, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. So, yeah, there are a lot of people nicked up. There are a lot of soft tissue injuries. But I don't really care if Grant Delpit's not healthy in – August. i care if he's healthy in november and that's i'm sure the conversations that are going on behind closed doors so i have no issue with the days off structure to help them they've still battled obviously plenty of people nicked up with the soft tissue stuff despite the structure the scientific back structure of of giving guys days off but i'm not going to panic about that stuff it's good to see denzel get back it's good to see some others you know especially tack it back after whatever was going on the jok thing is it's pretty strange, not going to lie, to have that kind of thing happen. But that 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 uh, that uh locker room field house thing is super condensed. Right? I don't think people understand. If you haven't been in there, it's it's tight without weight room equipment. It's not a full field. The Browns are the first ones to dome up a practice stadium like that, but they didn't put it 100 yards. So there's no. like 60, I think, right? Like 60 yards, and then you start throwing in the equipment, the, the weight room equipment. You watch a couple of videos today. It's like everybody's packed, man. It's really tight mm-hmm. in there, right?
2: It is very tight in there. And they're doing what they can. They try to split it up. They had, like, one half of it, uh, you know, drills with, like, the, off- the offense, the other half defense, and then they all kind of sit on the sidelines while they were doing, like, their you know, seven-on-sevens or whatever they were doing. Um, and so, but it's, it's tight. You are just packed in there. And I think that is going to be one of the things that the team probably looks to do here soon – um, and will benefit the team is is to get that indoor facility a little bit bigger, make a, make a, get a bigger one on their hands because it's uh, it's it's tough. But they do the they they make the best of it, right, and they and they utilize the space that they have very well, and they were very organized. Uh, you got to give credit to Callie Brownson for that one. She's just running all over the place, making sure everyone's in the right spot, and she's she's great at that. And so that's what you saw today was just this super small area where you're trying to get as much work in as possible. Uh, But I think, you know, for the situation and the conditions that they are, I think they did a a pretty good job and they got some good work in and some questions were answered and and some other questions arose from what we were seeing out there. And that Jojo Natson, that's just the, that's the one I keep thinking about. Just like, that's the one where it's like, he's, he's fighting, he's fighting real hard (laughs) for that spot. And, and so today was a, was a a nice test for a lot of players like him that are you know trying to get that spot, still trying to make a name for themselves. Uh, and, and they were able to do it even in that small space, though.
1: Yeah, hopefully they're able to as they buy up more properties around there, expand that thing because they, you know, you need you need an indoor full full length facility to to be with the with just even running with the rest of the NFL at this point. But to your point about JoJo, it brings me to sort of the bitches guys that are fighting for roster spots for the now and then them trying to look at guys who they're trying to develop and make a part of the future so you know jojo natson is a unique player he's a burner that's great but they drafted anthony schwartz and we haven't seen anthony schwartz so you got to really worry about uh does he does he fit right away can he impact this year you're looking at the same things cameron with the defensive tackle group Tommy Togi has struggled. Marvin Wilson mm-hmm. has struggled. You got guys like Sheldon Day. I think you got a guy like Andrew Billings. You got Malik McDowell flashing as we all saw. They have some really difficult decisions with young guys. And even, even if you look at offensive tackle, Greg Sanat has played extremely well in two games, and James Hudson has struggled. So I think I don't know if I'm asking you a great question here, but do you think that they're going to approach some of these roster positions? As, can you help us with now? Or do you think they're going to have to walk the fine line between saying, we can't risk Tommy Togi going to IR and you know, exposing him to waivers. We can't risk that. We can't risk uh, maybe uh, Anthony Schwartz doing the same thing. He's got the, he's got the hamstring. Could you put him on IR and stash him for a while, bring him back mid-year? That, that sort of stuff is extremely risky. So I think that what I'm getting at here is I think there's going to be a lot of people cut who could – who could, who could truly play other places. And I think it's going to be a hard thing for Browns fans to realize because they're walking that fine line between keeping some of these younger guys they've drafted, but they've done such a good job bringing in people to supplement positions that the the Greg Sinats, the JoJo Natsons, the, the, uh, the Sheldon Days, Malik McDowell's of the world could make this roster. They're playing better football right now.
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
2: No, absolutely. And that's going to be, it's going to be, I think, a lot of shock for Browns fans, because, I mean, it's a good problem to have. It's a great problem to have is having so much talent on your roster that you lose guys who should be starting on an NFL roster and, and, and any other NFL team, but they just, there's so much talent in that position. And there's so much, you know, as you have brought on and so many decisions to make that some guys are going to not make the cut. Um, So that's, I mean, it's a great problem to have, but you are absolutely right. The defensive tackle, they, They went heavy on it. They went heavy on it during the offseason and the draft and free agency. And now there are a lot of players at that position who 100% can be NFL starters and should be NFL starters and likely will be NFL starters if they don't make this team. Um, But then, I mean, it, it all depends on how many players on each position. Obviously, they're keeping and how they're reorganizing it. You've got you might see some changes from how many like of each position that they've kept from last season, especially, you know, when you you get to the situation where you're looking at the tight end room and maybe they keep three, maybe they keep four, but with it, the injuries kind of plays the game of, you know, maybe we'll just only keep three on the roster and then move this extra position, this extra spot to defensive tackle. And then we can keep, more players there. And because you do with Tommy, Tommy Togiai, he has, he has struggled a bit. He's, he's shown some good, um, but he ha he has struggled and he's got a ways to go. And, but do you want to, you can't, you can't waste, you know, a draft pick like him. And so then you, you wonder what's going to happen there and you, are you going to develop him? Is he able to be developed? And you hope that, you know, like the Malik Jackson, uh, like McDowell, even at the, Andrew Billings, that their leadership helps to bring that out of Tommy Togiai. Um, but it, it all comes down to how they have developed. And and I can tell you, you know, like, oh yeah, they struggled this day, they played well this day. But it's really the details of like the specific amount of growth that they've shown over training camp, each in the each of them, and, and what they're able to bring that the the, the coaches are seeing. Very, very intricately, and I think that because you know we're only seeing it at face value, and they've got all the details and all the stats, and they're watching them, you know, like Hawkeye on these players each and every day, that there's going to be a lot of surprises uh, on this 53-man roster cut. And then you have to you have to wonder too, though, some of these talents, like even if they get cut, there might be some some of the you know good guys, but maybe borderline, you know, NFL starter or not NFL starter, that they can maintain and keep on the practice squad and and, and hopefully pull up and call if they're needed and when they're needed. Uh, so you you hope that, but, I mean, the market will be high for a lot of these guys, and they, and they will end up on other teams. And they might play very well for these other teams. And when you're watching them, these other teams in the regular season – you might be like, "Oh my gosh, how could we get rid of him? Like, what were they thinking?" But that's the name of the game, and that's what you—that's what happens when you have a, a front office uh, that has been so spot on and and has been great at not only you know acquiring these guys in free agency and and drafting them but like just scouting them and and knowing these talents and you saw that in the draft with these steals that we're seeing these these late round draft picks that are turning into be absolute studs this is this is the makings of a good front office this is how you know you've got an organization that knows what they're doing and so it will be frustrating and even if it feels like it might have been a mistake I feel like like you know there's decisions they have to make and so far they've been you can't you can't doubt any move that that Andrew Barry and his his team makes because so far they've been very very spot on with almost every single move that they've made
1: yeah that's it's kudos to them for for doing a fine job of bringing on they probably have like roughly 65 rosterable players on this current structure and that's That's so much different than years past. You know, the feel-good stories like Johnny Stanton had a real opportunity to actually make the roster. There felt like there were maybe 45, 46 type NFL players, but, but they... They, they didn't have to to go out and cut many people. That when they got cut, you saw them making impacts in other places. But they've done a nice job now over two years of roster building that some of these guys, the Javante Moffats of the world, are going to have to be let go because you just can't keep them all. So how they walk that line between we have a guy here who we think can be an actual part of productive play for us at this position versus... Uh, a guy who we drafted or have tried to develop over the course of this year or last year, and we just don't want to expose him to some other team selecting that guy in waiver. So that part of it, where you could see a player less talented, James Hudson is not playing as well right now as Greg Senat, but you probably want to keep James Hudson around because you just picked him in the fourth round. Uh, it could go to really, you could look at almost any position. There are a few very specific positions without this kind of contrast going on, but for the most part. Almost every position has this balance. The Drew Forbes against the Blake Hanses of the world and the Michael Duns of the world. Like that whole thing, you know, is that, that dynamic is spread across the roster. So I would imagine there will be a uniform approach to all of it and they'll make some of those decisions and we'll see the trend that they're trying to do. Okay, they're trying to keep themselves, the young guys, they're going to try to develop them. Or we might be able to look at this next week and say they're clearly going all in. They didn't really care all too much about. The future of some of these positions, and said we need our best four, five, six, seven guys. That's who they went with. That will be the single most important thing to pay attention to for me, at least.
2: And honestly, I think it might be a mix of that, a mix of in in certain positions, you'll you might see a young core that they're looking to develop, and and, you know, and some of these other positions that have a, a lot of. Talented, veteran, or you know, seasoned players already—they might stay there, and, and you might see some of those young guys get moved away from and and settling in on the all-in at that position right now. I, and I, th- I think that it should be almost a balancing act. I don't think that, I don't think that every young guy. And I, I think that he, not that you said this, but I, I, I think that every not every young guy if they're going all in right now is chalked up and yeah, we got to develop him. We'll see. I think there's going to be a, a balance and it's going to be depending on the position and how they value it and see, you know, how much that plays into it. I think that like, like the cornerback position is a very important position for this team uh, and for Andrew Barry. So that's one of those positions, the value on it is high. And so the way that they approach it, I think would be different than, you know, a, a position that's, I don't want to say not important, obviously, but we'll say like kicker. It's important, but maybe not as high value uh, as as like the cornerback is for, for Andrew Barry and the Browns. So I think that's how they might approach it, too, is a, is, a, is a balancing act between, you know, going all in and and using those rookies and developing them for the future to kind of weigh it out and balance that roster. So it's a it's a nice mix of it. And at least I hope so. That's what that's my hope for it. That's what I think that I would do. But who am I? I'm not Andrew Barry.
1: Yeah, I th- I think you put it nicely. I think Andrew Barry's been very precise in how he's gone about this. He is he's always particular with how he pinpoints what he's gonna do. He didn't rush defensive signings, he didn't rush trades, he didn't rush signings, he's always very calculated. I think there is going to be a fi- a fine mixture of what you're talking about there, where they do some of that. How do we look forward? I guess that's the best outcome. A little mixture of win now, a little mixture of looking forward, projecting things. I also still I, I will say, Cameron, I wouldn't be totally stunned if they totally went young across the board and said to themselves, "Hey, you know, we we understand the value of draft picks, how you can control those contracts over a, a finite period of time. We understand the value of how those roll over." Uh, picks work and how they're, the cycle of those guys and your and your contracts go year to year to year and expiration dates. We like that process. We also understand that you know after the Atlanta game, development doesn't stop. So we trust we trust Bill Callahan to get James Hudson figured out. We trust uh, the defense to get things figured out with the, with the younger defensive linemen. We think those things are still going to happen. We understand that it's not ideal necessarily. You might be cutting some guys who could help you on Sundays. But you think that your top of the line guys can get it done for the for at least the immediate until some of those young guys develop. So that's uh, that's the balancing act, and to me, it's the main storyline as cuts happen next week and you get down to 53. Is what sort of what sort of angle do they take between those help now guys? And kudos to Andrew Berry again. He brought in a bunch of players, the Malik McDowells, the Sheldon Days, those guys. Ah, uh, the JoJo Natsons of the world, the Davion Davises of the world. Who can help? Who can be on an NFL roster? So you you really have to. There's just a lot of hard decisions to be made. I guess we'll close with this question, which is: Do you do you have anybody in mind? This is a tough question, and and if you don't have a, a perfect answer, that's okay. Is maybe you haven't really invested much thought. Is there somebody you think that could really shock people and be either traded? As an end of the roster guy traded somewhere, a, a guy somebody doesn't see coming happening that you think maybe he's a little more on the bubble than we should, uh, than some of us have been thinking.
2: Um, you did put me on the spot here. <laughs> um, you know, on a couple guys who, you know, realistically speaking, probably like I, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily see a trade or just an outright cut. Um, because of the situations at hand. And I hate to throw him under the bus, but going under, you know, going into this uh, training camp, he he had a really good start and it's kind of been quiet since. And I think that he really needs to step it up. Uh, Otherwise, I think that he might be at risk is, is Mac. And I don't think I don't think that's necessarily a shock that Mac Wilson could be cut or or moved on from um but I I do think he had, because he had such an explosive start to camp it kind of put some of those that that talk to rest and kind of made people like okay let's go here he is but I think one of the biggest things saving him right now it's it's not that that spark that he showed at the start of training camp it's it's the fact that the position has been so thinned out and there's been so many injuries, uh, in in the linebacker room. So I think that's kind of his saving grace. But he's one of those guys that I think that, I think that he could go. Um, I think that he could be a part of those cuts. But because of the the depth and the lack thereof, and and all of these injuries, I think he he might end up you know getting away and not seeing that that acts fall on his name when when final cuts come. Um, but, you know, I, I think at the defensive end is another one that has some guys that I'm wondering what's going to happen to them. And obviously you've got Miles and Jadavion there right at the ends. But And you've got Port Augustine who's dealing with that knee injury recently. But what, for me, I think that one of the guys, it's going to shock me a lot personally is to see like who makes the cut if if they don't all make it. Like Joe, like Tack McKinley hasn't been here, right? And and so, like, what what are they going to do with what are they going to do with him? You know, we haven't seen anything from him. Uh, and so, I mean, does he make the roster? And you got to think of it that way because it's not as though there's not. Depth in that position, and now that Joe Jackson has looked incredible, and he stepped up really big last season when there was the COVID issues, and and you know he was he was a guy that really held his own, and he's been looking great through camp, and so does he make it? Curtis Weaver has been trying to get back there and like you know make that name for himself, and he's had some days where he looks incredible, and you're like okay this guy, and even today Cameron Malvo like he looked really good, he looked good at camp today, so you've got these names. Where you're, you know, you you start to question: Does a guy like Tack McKinley make the roster? He has missed a lot, and I don't know what he was going through. It's a personal thing that they are keeping in house right now, but he was gone for a very long time. No matter what happened, and and so that they you have to question: Does he make the roster? So I think that it's the guys like that that will shock me. The guys that you know when when you brought him on, it was like. Wow, they did this! Like I can see the talent here, and then it kind of just—you kind of have to move on from it, even though they're talented. Um, so, like those are—I think those are my two. I—I I could see a couple trades here and there, maybe with a guy, a guy named Blake, <laughs> a guy named Blake Ants, somewhere where you have—and because he, I mean, he's a guy that's—he's good, right? And he's been—he's been very versatile through camp, and so he's an asset. And he's he's got some trade value, and I think those like guys like him and and you know others on the roster pose the potential to to be traded or to be cut. And while they're not probably shocking, the ones that I gave, I think that those are the ones that I'm like those are my eye my eyes on those like those are the ones that I'm looking at and thinking like I'll be shocked no matter what what happens like who gets cut from defensive end because there's a lot of talent there outside of the the two stars that we know are going to be stars. There's a lot of talent there and it's going to be like, okay, well, how are they going to do this? And and so those, those are the ones that I'm thinking of and are my like ones to watch when it comes down to, to the wire and building this roster.
1: Yeah. Certainly think Mac Wilson's kind of on the cusp there, him and Jacob Phillips injury creates a, a bit more of an opportunity it kind of comes down to a guy who played well last week with elijah lee whether they want to keep one of those two who they end up selecting uh, another guy and that that's another example too cameron of a situation where you know you don't think if you cut mac wilson you don't think you can keep him on the practice squad somebody might claim him but maybe if you cut elijah lee you think you can get him back that's just kind of an example of the young guy name value gregson at type of situation where you cut James Hudson, someone's claiming him, but you might be able to sneak Greg Sinat through. So just something to think about there. I will go back to somebody that I've thought a lot about here, which is Andrew Billings. I think a lot of people think he's safe. And to me, uh, the year he took off and the way he showed up out of shape when he arrived uh, made me uncomfortable just because there were so many faces getting uh, opportunities in that defensive tackle room. He's played all three games. Now he hasn't played a ton, But he's played enough, and when he's played, he's looked pretty bad, being honest. He's not been able to anchor against double teams. He's getting driven and gap stuff down the line, being pushed off the spot, not seeing many pressures created. So, again, I understand it's preseason. The motivation is not always the highest in preseason. But when you're looking at the defensive tackle room and you have Tommy Togia you don't want to expose, you have Jordan Elliott, who you think might be sort of starting to figure things out at the NFL level. You get another good game from Malik McDowell. You like Sheldon Day. So then it's like, okay, then this is a contract that we're only committed to for a year. We could call someone, maybe trade him, can move off of him. So there's a couple of those types of players that stand out to me as potential guys who we think are safe, but they end up not necessarily being as safe as you thought they were. And then you get surprised by that kind of move. Every year there seems to be like, some kind of move where you're like, I did not see that one coming. And I think Andrew Billings is just just somebody to pay attention to a little bit there because uh, we we all know that maybe Kaderil Hodge has to be moved off of. We all know they may or may not keep an extra tight end, so that might allow another wide receiver. There's a lot of stuff there, but no one's really talking about uh, a Billings in that regard and the, and the weird situation that they have going on at defensive tackle. So I wanted to throw that one out. I uh I, I will say, is there anybody, I guess I guess we've talked about once, is there anyone you think maybe surprises and makes it that no one's really thinking is a a player that, that could end up making this roster, but you think that they just can't ignore him?
2: I've been talking about him all day long. Hey, JoJo Natson. He's, <laughs> he's, he's my dark horse. He's the one that everyone thinks has to go, especially when you've got dimitri Felton back there at special teams and he's returning all a lot, and so that kind of narrows – JoJo's lane uh, and, and how he fits on this team. So I think that he's uh, – the talks have been, you know, like, oh, he's he's surely got to go. But I I don't know. I'm pulling. I'm pulling for him. I'm thinking he might have a shot. I, he might have a shot at making this roster uh, because of that speed and and how much, you know, the coaches love him and love what he's able to do. And he didn't really get a chance to shine last year because of that injury. Um, he didn't get to show what he's able to do. So he's, he's the guy that I think like, maybe, maybe he like pulls through and makes it despite the incredible amount of talent and depth in the wide receiver room and how many names they have to deal with and decide. I think maybe he finds a way to make the roster, but we will, we will see. It's going to be a tough decision across the board. Like this is, it's a good problem to have. Right. But I do not envy Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski. I do not envy them in this moment because these are the toughest decisions I've seen them have to make in a very long time.
1: You're right. You're right. These are what we call NFL rich people problems, something that Cleveland has not (laughs) faced in a long time. Cameron, you've been great. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. I, I I don't need to reiterate where to find Cameron's work. It's all over Twitter. She does a fantastic job covering every single day of camp. She'll continue to do so. She's the best follower. Cameron, thanks again.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks for tuning in to today's OBR Film Breakdown. We will have more and more content leading up to cuts and this exciting preseason game, which it is. It's a primetime game. It's a chance for some starters to maybe play, and then if not at the least, a chance for guys who are are truly fighting for those positions at the end of the 53 to get real opportunities, and it's going to be a whirlwind of decision-making that's coming very soon. I'll keep you as in tune to what's going on with all of those things with perspectives across the board about some of those tough, tough decisions that have to be made, so... Keep your eye out for a couple more guest podcasts this week. We'll try to have a guest on about the Atlanta Falcons behind enemy lines. Keep that up for Saturday. You'll get your Sunday pregame show before the kickoff. Obviously, it's a late game. You also get all of our OBR stuff, too. Thanks again, like I said, for tuning in. Go back to yesterday's, too. I did a fun podcast with the guys. I think it's called the Hoof Podcast, which is a cover one branch. They do a great job over there in Buffalo. And we talked about Baker Mayfield versus Josh Allen. It was a really fun pod. Go check that one out. A lot of feedback on it today, and I really appreciate that feedback. Because I thought I handled myself well, somebody attacking Baker. Don't always have to defend him, but you do need to bring perspective, so I try to do that. Again, thanks for joining. Continue to spread the word about this pod. Make sure you subscribe to it because you get that auto download right there, loaded up on your phone, ready to go. Thanks, guys, for joining today. Have a great, great Thursday, and go Browns.